will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said. Open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you, do, you don't know the day or the hour. Let's pray together. Most holy God, we humble ourselves before you, Lord, and our heart's desire is more than anything that we would belong to you. And Father, that our faith would keep its foundation on you, Lord, not on the circumstances or the the problems that surround us, Lord, but that we could be grounded in who you are and what you call us to do. And Lord, we pray for your people here this morning, for your children who you created and loved so much. We pray, Lord, for those sitting around us and for those who are unable to be here this morning. And Lord, especially those who are hurting today, who are lonely and maybe lost and without hope. We lift up in prayer Jim Clausen, who was hospitalized this week and Ask that your healing hand will give him strength and restore him. And we also pray for those in our community who are in need. We pray that the right connections may be made and the proper resources found so that all will be provided for. And we especially pray for the children who may not have enough to eat or a safe place to live and ask that you protect them and keep them safe. And for all of us who are struggling, we ask that you will show us the ways in which we can better care for ourselves and our families. We pray that you will show us how to reach out to others, not just in our church, but in our community and in the world, and to do so in your name. All these things, Lord, we bring to you this morning, our prayers for those we've named, as well as the prayers we speak only in our hearts. And we lift them all up to you in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who t- I, uh... Well, are you? Are you ready? You know, that's, that's the reaction I got last service to, and I said it again, because I had the same thing. I had one guy yelling out, are you ready? Yeah. All right, now we're ready. So <clears throat> as I come to you this morning, I, I uh, do come in a, a spirit of celebration. Hopefully um, you've all had a chance, I don't, even when we get in a less academic part of our life where we don't have to go to school or anything, it still has this, this DNA of us in North America that we like a little bit of a summer vacation somewhere. Um, so I had a little bit of vacation. Hope you got a little break now because uh, now school and all that's upon us. But when I was on my vacation coming back, I listened to Pastor Keith's sermon that he preached last week. And I heard in there that he was celebrating that he and Estelle had been married for 17 years. And when he said that, yeah, congratulations, congratulations. And when he said that, then he followed by a little comment saying we got married when we were 11. Okay, well, my wedding anniversary was yesterday. And I was married when Pastor Keith was 11. So, 
<laughs> yeah. And so is Teresa, for that matter. Um, so let's go right to the talk. We're going to talk about are you ready? I would make the case that there is joy in all of our hearts in being prepared. There's deep satisfaction when we have everything that we need and we're ready. I've watched over the last couple weeks as, as uh, school teachers, you know, we're getting their rooms ready, getting everything, getting the summer knocked out of it, putting their supplies in order. <clears throat> and at a certain point, they said, I have everything I need, I'm ready. And, and there's a good feeling about that, being ready before the children got. I've also been, <clears throat> pardon me, in Walgreens and Walmart over the last few weeks. And I've watched ex- how excitedly, you know, students have, have been running around, getting their backpacks filled, getting the right light, right supplies, and even making that commitment that every one of us that was ever in school makes, you know, that first week of school, we're committed to keeping everything in order this year and keeping it all neat in our backpack and all that. And, and at a certain point, they got all their stuff and they said, ready, got everything I need for school, I'm ready. Of course, as a parent, unless you have a first grader, the day they announced school starting, you're like, ready. <laughs> I got everything I need, just get them on the bus. Let's have a nice summer. We love being ready. I, I, I have a, uh, an acquaintance that works for the Iowa Annual Conference of the Methodist Church. Her name's Linda Remster. She's in charge of the logistics of the huge annual conference that we hold every year in the Hy-Vee Hall in Des Moines. And she's always frantic during that time because there's so many problems with the pastors and the issues and the technology and all that sort of thing. And this year, as Craig Liskam and I walked into the, the, the uh, building, she was sitting there right at the front door of the Hy-Vee Hall and she had this sense of peace about her and a face that she just, you know, looked happy. And I said, Linda, how you doing? She says, ready. She had everything they needed. Conference was ready to go. You know, there's, there's a lot of joy in, in, in being prepared. But I also will tell you there's a lot of disappointment and even fear when we feel unprepared. I, I remember a number of years ago, a, a friend of mine, he was about my age when I was in my 20s, and he invited me, he's one of my mentors, and he invited me to come to this morning breakfast they had for men during Lent. And he said, hey, I want to come, have you come out on such and such a day. And so I like got in my car, drove the 40 miles at O-Dark 30, got down there, and there were 70 guys in, in this Lenten men's breakfast. I thought, this is awesome. You know, and we had a great breakfast, and, you know, and Claire got up then and started to give the introduction for the, the speaker for the morning, for the guest speaker. And he talked a sentence or two, and I'm like, Dude, that sounds like me. And he kept going, it was me. I was the guest speaker. I didn't even know it. And, and I got to tell you, th- this is one of the places right here to not stand when you're fearful or unprepared. Because I remember when, when he was giving that, that thing, I was like, man, I got to get a talk together in a hurry. And I know it wasn't the best talk because I was completely unprepared to, to talk that day. There's fear and a lot of disappointment and being unprepared for, for anything. I have a friend here in the congregation. She works for one of our multinationals, and she has this repeating dream of being unprepared. She tells me a story. She says, I have this dream every so often where, like, I'm supposed to give a presentation, and I've got my briefcase, I've got my high heels on, and I walk into the meeting a few minutes before the meeting's supposed to start, and I look at myself, and I've got my sweats on. And she says, oh my gosh, I'm not prepared. And so she says, I throw my stuff down and I run home as fast as I can. I put on my work clothes. I get back there. But when I get back there, somebody's moved my briefcase and I'm not prepared. People are starting to come into the meeting. Finally, I find my briefcase. I open my laptop. I plug it in and I put up a presentation from five years ago. 
She says, I have night terrors about not being prepared. Do you have that too? I mean, there's fear and disappointment when, when we're not prepared for, for whatever is coming. We appreciate being ready and having everything we need. We just appreciate being ready and having whatever we need for what's coming. See, Matthew 25 has Jesus in there speaking to us about our spiritual life, about being prepared and having everything we need for our spiritual life. He says, are you ready? And have you grabbed what you need? See, now there is a a scriptural reference point here that you all need to know. Because in the scriptures, you will open, if you open it to page one of the scriptures, it says, in the beginning, God. Now, if we believe in a Trinitarian God, and we do, we believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So before all things that we call time, there was God. It says, in the beginning, God created heavens and earth. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit are the creating agent of the world. And before time, there was just God. Now that's important because then when Jesus comes along in Matthew 25 and says, as I created time, so there will be a moment when time ends. When everything that you know and see as the created order will come to an end. In Matthew 25, this is part of a two chapters uh, in, in Matthew that's called the eschatological discourse, which means Jesus is teaching eschatology, which is uh, pointing towards the last times or the end of time that we see a- as normal. Now, it's important for us to see that this story is not just about a shopping story. The girls don't have enough oil, so we're like, hey, do you want to go shopping? Should we get some more oil? It's not about that at all. As a matter of fact, when Jesus tells this, he's telling the story of the kingdom of God. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he tells this story about the ten virgins. Now, it doesn't make as much sense to us as it would have made to people at that time. Because, you know, yesterday I had a wedding in here. Matt and Kelly got married yesterday. And they got married at 3 o'clock. Which meant they'd invited everybody to be here at 3 o'clock. And at 3 o'clock, our our, our great host and and wedding coordinator, Karen, sent the first bridesmaid and groomsman down the aisle. And then the next, and the next. And about 3.01, that wedding was in full speed. Because that's what time it was supposed to be at. That's what we prepared for. Weddings in the first century were a little different than that. There were a lot of things that were different. What would happen is the groom and his entourage would come to the bride's house, have a little wedding ceremony, which only took a few minutes, and then grab her and all of her attendants and take them back to his house and then have a wedding feast that would last about seven or ten days. Now, there were a lot of things that that were happening similar to today, and they'd say, hey, at such and such a day, I'm planning to come. But there were many reasons for delays. Maybe the harvest was late, and he couldn't get all the work done. Maybe the the weather was bad, and he couldn't get there on time. So, So he had announced the time that they were coming, but not as firmly and rigidly as we might do today. So when he got there, he got there. The responsibility of the bridesmaids was pretty simple, and this is what Jesus is telling us. Have all the stuff you need and be ready. And that's what, what, what the people that were receiving the groom were supposed to do. Have everything they needed and be ready. Or you're going to be left out. Because when I come, we're going to have the brief ceremony. We're going to leave. And if you're not with us, you're just out. That's the way it out. Now, the way it is. Now, we North Americans, particularly we Christians, have a hard time shutting people out. 
we have a hard time acknowledging that at a certain point, Jesus really does say the door is closed. You know, I've seen this in my, my own life. I had a football coach in college that to give him a little bit of a break, we'd call him rigid. You know, I mean, boom, he had rules. They were like iron, okay? One day we were going up to play uh, Upper Iowa up here in, in Fayette, and he told us, clear as a bell, 7 o'clock the bus leaves. If you're not here at 7 o'clock, we leave you, and that's the end of your relationship with our team. That's it. This is the way it is. So, of course, all of us were sitting on the bus at 6.45, but we had this great player, who's a great player, outside linebacker, named Robert Armour. Robert was great at football, horrible at alarm clocks, okay? Great at football, horrible at alarm clocks. So the bus, doors open, you know, like on the big, you know, charter bus, doors wide open. Seven o'clock, Robert's not there. One of the guys says, coach, I can go get him. And he said, did any of you guys have any uh, mistake in the clarity of what time you're supposed to be here? Of course, we had to say, no, we're supposed to be here at seven. He said, close the door, let's go. And we left Robert there went and played the game with him of course he was off the team now now as even guys on our team were saying coach come on we gotta have a little mercy let's run the bus by him let's pick him up we need him for the game and all that kind of stuff let's give him a second chance let's give him some sort of a break and the coach said look i couldn't have been more clear i couldn't have been more clear and, and so christians when we look at matthew 25 and the words of jesus let's make sure that we're very very clear about this that the mercy that we ask for the second chance that we ask for the break that we ask for are all being granted to us every single day as christ continues to invite you to be a part of the kingdom of heaven and jesus says you need to do your part which is to say have everything you need and be ready to come because the door is open but it shall not be open forever for you or for everyone else are you ready we were pretty sure a few moments ago, are we ready? The, 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 there's three things, probably more, but we have some time constraints here. There's three things that I'm going to share with you that we absolutely need to be ready and have everything that we need. And the first is a spirit of anticipation. Do you live with the spirit of anticipation? I mean, anticipation is that idea that God is coming towards you. Even right now, the Lord is coming towards you. See, <clears throat> I would make the case that there are very few feelings that are more exhilarating than anticipation watch a high school senior when they finish their senior year they are so anticipating moving into that dorm moving into that next phase of life that they're exhilarated by it all i'm working with uh, jamie and brianna they're getting married in 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 four weeks right here and i was kind of kidding them at our 745 service where they come to worship because J- or brianna is so fired up about this wedding jamie is too but Brianna sent me an email every week. Where do I stand? Where do the flowers go? Is it okay if we have the unity candle on the altar? She is so anticipating this moment that she's certain it's coming. The invitations have all been set. The time's sent. She knows for certain that wedding day is coming, and she is so excited. What could be more exciting than anticipating something great that is coming in your lives? We all have these feelings. And the question to us is spiritually, are you anticipating with great exhilaration God's coming towards you, and he's coming very soon. Look what the scriptures say. Jesus says in Revelation 22, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have. And then he reiterates a few verses later, Yes, I am coming soon. 
He is coming soon. Do you have that spiritual anticipation? Do you have that anticipation that is linked with certainty that the Lord comes for you, is coming for you, and will continue to come for you? See, your pastors, Keith and I and the other leaders of this church, we don't believe that scriptures are idle tales. We don't believe that it's one fable piled up on another or just a bunch of cool chicken soup for the, for the happy-go-lucky soul or something like that. We believe that scriptures are the real deal, that Jesus is, is speaking the truth. And he is asking us, do you have absolute certainty? Do you have absolute faith and richness and depth of faith in the unseen, awesome God who is coming towards you? Do you anticipate that in your life? So the first thing we need to hold and be ready and have is an anticipation that God is coming. The second thing that, that what we need to absolutely be ready for Christ is a deep understanding of your responsibility. Now, what I mean by understanding is, is to say that you are responsible for your own spiritual condition. Internalize that. You're responsible for your own spiritual condition. Now, many might say, hey, you know, <clears throat> that coach of yours, Mike, he was a real jerk. He should have given Robert a second chance. Others would say, hey, Jesus is really telling a harsh story there. Those five girls that had oil, they could have shared with, with, with the other girls. They, they seemingly had enough, but that's not the point. If we, if we worry about what others are doing in this particular instance, we miss the point and the purpose of Jesus telling this story. He, the point is that we're responsible for our own actions and our own preparation. Well, let me give you a very cautionary tale. And this is a tough one. Twenty-some years ago, I was called over to a guy's house. that lived in the same town as I. He didn't come to my church, didn't go to any church, as a matter of fact. He asked me, his son did, but he asked me to come over and speak to him. And I, I went in. I didn't really know what to expect. He said he was sick, but I didn't know what that meant. I walked in, I sat down in his living room, and he says, Pastor, I've got stage four cancer. You know what that means? I says, yeah, it means things aren't good for you right now health-wise. He says, exactly. He says, I'm going to die. They can't turn around what I've got, and I've got to get right with God. I've known for a long time I've got to get right with God. And I said, well, do you want to? He says, I know I've got to get right with God. So I opened my Bible. I read him some things, gave my testimony to him, went back to the church, even got a pamphlet so he could read the easy steps to receiving God into his, to his life, which simply has to do with just opening your life and receiving him and putting all your faith into God. I talked to, to Jim. His name was Jim Davis. I talked to Jim a number of times, three or four times over the ensuing weeks. And of course, you can guess where the story goes. Jim did, in the course of time, pass away. And that is the, the custom of pastors when, when someone in your uh, circle of, of friends or family or congregation passes away, you meet with the family a day or so afterwards. And, and we gathered around the table. And everybody was there except John Davis, who went to my church. He came in a few minutes late, and we were kind of doing some, you know, some talking and remembering when, he came, remembering when he came in. And he says, Pastor Mike, he says, I've already got your sermon done for this service. It's easy, and I want to make sure you preach it. I said, okay, John, what is it? He says, well, you know how my dad always told you that he had to get his life right with God, that he had to get right with God? And I said, yeah, well, he never did, Pastor. He never did. And I want you to tell my family and my friends to make sure they don't make that same mistake. 
obviously it slayed my spirit just like it kind of did yours right now to know that someone had the chance to come into God's kingdom and they just turned aside from us. And, and we ask ourselves, what, what, what prevents a person from doing this? What prevents a person from getting right with, with, with God? Well, well, here's what it says in the scriptures. It says, the fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And I admonish you right here, don't be the kind of fool that, that pushes aside wisdom and discipline. You see, the Lord is ready and he's coming towards you. And only you can stop yourself from getting right from God. See, it's not, it's not his job to get you right with God. It's not my job to get, get you right with God. It's not our band's job to get you right with God. Only you can get yourself right with God. Only you can put yourself to, in, in position to, to receive the Lord. And I'll tell you right now, this is what Scripture tells us over and over, the door is open. The door is open to him, for him to come to you, and the door is open for you to come to him. And, and this is very important, this might be the most important thing of what I tell you, the door is open and it will close. And when it's closed, it seals for you. And you cannot get over it or around it or through it. There is a moment in time, and we must all realize this about our lives, because it is basic Christian theology. That while the door is open for you, it also comes to a moment where it's closed. So your last chance is upon you. Your last chance is upon you always. The responsibility for, is for yourself to, to walk towards the Lord that's coming right now. Take responsibility for your spiritual life. And so a third and, and last thing that I want to share with you. That you absolutely need, that you absolutely need to have to be ready for the Lord is a deep resolve to live a faithful life. You must have a deep resolve to live a faithful life. I say, are you ready to be faithful? Are you ready to go <clears throat> all in? I mean, this is an all in question. Are you ready to throw all yourself, mind, body, spirit, everything <clears throat> into the faithful life? See, all in takes complete resolve takes complete resolve. Listen, my, my soul finds rest in God alone. You know, and you should circle alone and underline. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I shall never be shaken. See, alone means you set all other choices aside, including yourself. You know, it's God who is your rock. It's God who's your salvation. It's God who is your fortress. It's upon him you can plant yourself and never be shaken off that. But you have to choose him and him alone. You, you can't set that aside because alone means that you yield your complete security to, to him, that you'll never be shaken. And alone, I got to tell you this, if you give yourself to God and God alone, your life will be so simplified. You know, my children have, have raised and left the nest now. But I remember when one of them was four years old. It was one of those Saturday mornings. You know, if you're a parent, you've had these. Yeah, Saturday morning and nothing was pushing you. You didn't have to go anywhere. We were just home, eating the Cheerios or whatever like that. And I remember my little girl was four years old. After finishing whatever syrup or cereal we were slurping down, she crawled up and on her knees on my lap, she looked at me. She kind of danced around for a minute. 
And then she grabbed my face with both her hands. She looked into my eyes and says, Now, Daddy, what are we going to do today? Perfect innocence, perfect faith, willing to know that whatever we were going to do was going to be good, maybe fun, and certainly safe for her. Is that not the way we're to look at our God and Father, our Daddy in heaven, our Abba? You know, are we not supposed to every day simply put our trust in his lap and look up and put our hands on his face and say, now, Father, what are we going to do today? And allow him to guide us because he will not guide us poorly. He will not lead us astray and he will not let us be crushed for he will protect us. See, we simply give ourselves to God alone and life is solid and simplified. Look what it says in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all and All, again, is that word you should circle and underline. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, when you try to understand the most complex things of life, you know what my answer is? I'll be trying to understand something. I say, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Trust not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So I think it's very important for us in every sermon to give some information and to provide some inspiration. And I also think it's very important for us to to make sure that you have some instruction. So in addition to those things that I've already given you, let me give you these pieces of instruction, and then we'll call the band up again. In the midst of your resolve to live the faithful life, one of the most important things you need to do, and I need to do, is to pick up a discipline to strengthen your resolve. There are Bible studies at every church in this town. You've certainly heard about some today. You've got them in your white bulletin. They're all over the Marian Methodists. They're all over the, the website. There's devotionals out there. We give you a free Bible if you want one. Just take it and start reading from front to back because what you need to do is build a rhythm. You need to build a discipline in your life because discipline leads to rhythm. And once you have a rhythm, then you'll crave more and, and more of that, that discipline and rhythm. And I've learned from psychological studies that if you do something for 21 days, then you've got a rhythm in your life. So get into a devotional. Get into a Bible study. Pick up that kind of discipline because discipline always leads to rhythm. I was downstairs a couple weeks ago when our trustees were, were painting that basement. By the way, it looks very cool, so if you're a trustee, well done. Thank you. One of our trustees was painting, and I went up to her, and I said, how you doing? She said, I don't feel that good today. I was like, well, if you're sick, you know, you can quit painting. She said, no, no, it's not that. She said, I didn't have a run today. See, she's a runner. And if you're a runner, you know that. If you don't run someday, you don't feel right, right? You know? And so she didn't feel right because she hadn't run that day. I hope for Christians, the body of Christ, my brothers and sisters, that if you miss your time, just you face-to-face, one-on-one with God and your devotional and your study or whatnot, that your day just doesn't feel right because you're missing your God time. You haven't spent time with, with the Lord. I know that, that as I've built that rhythm into my life, I crave time with the Lord more and more every single day. So, so build into your life a, a discipline. And, and, and secondly, let your faithfulness be resolved and ready to go public. That's a tough one, isn't it, Methodist? You know, I don't ever question this. See, I've said this for a long time. 
Just because you're in McDonald's doesn't mean you're French fry. Just because you're standing in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. And just because you're sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian. Christianity is something that wells up from you and God to the outside world. See, Christianity has always meant to be and is proclaimed as a social religion. It's not something that can be kept to your safe self. We have to go public with our faith. We have to live it and share it. See, I heard this story. So I don't think that, I mean, I know who I'm talking to. I know I'm talking to the Methodists. We have a hard time really clapping really loud or waving our hands or even, you know, I had a guy at one of the services tell me once, he says, man, that joke was so funny, I almost laughed out loud. You know? I mean, we're, we're so afraid to express ourselves uh, sometime. And I heard a story about this from one of our seminarians. You know, Allison Padley is going down to Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, which is right outside Lexington. And she and a bunch of her crew were in Piggly Wiggly or wherever people shop down there. And they were all gathered up together. And, one, and a person in the store said, could tell they were together, and she says, well, what are you guys all about? Now, Allison, because of her great training here at First United Methodist Church, simply looked at them and says, well, we're, we're training to be pastors in the United Methodist Church. We, you know, we represent Jesus Christ. And some of her friends who were in seminary, who had moved to another state to go to seminary, took all their, you know, quit their jobs, finished school, whatever, went down there and said, oh, Allison, don't do that, man. Just kind of keep it on the down low. And Allison says, I changed my whole life for this. Everybody needs to know what we're down here. I remember, you know, so I'm talking about seminarians because I remember my own seminary. One of our professors saying, hey, when you're out at Safeway, when you're out wherever you're at, and people ask what you're about, don't you ever be embarrassed to speak about the one who is not too embarrassed to die for someone like you. I was like, whoa, that's deep and rich. Now, I don't expect any of you to, to become eloquent preachers unless you want to be, unless God's leading you to that. I, I don't think you have to, to you know, to, to, to project, you know, a, a sermon into every piece that, that you have in your life, but you do need to speak up. You do need to speak up. See, God has great plans for First United Methodist Church, and he has great plans for his whole church. Pastor Keith said a few, few weeks ago, the question is not whether, uh, the, the, the ch- whether the church has a mission, but whether or not God has his church for his mission. You know, we're to me about the mission field that, that God has for us. And we can't be embarrassed. We have to go public and just speak, not... You don't have to become so, you know, like so trained and qualified. Just speak out of your life circumstances. Just speak your truth. You know, some of you can say, well, my job won't let me do that, and, and I can't do that, and I, I know, you know, you're a pastor, Mike, so you can talk all the time. We're Americans. So you may have rules about what you can say or what you can promote at your work, but there are no rules about who you can be at your work. And... I've checked this. When someone asks you a question, you are allowed to answer honestly from the inside of your character. So be ready and be willing to speak up, to speak into the truth which is your heart. It always surprises me how, how someone who gives a ton of money to the church, and I've met several, that gave a great sum of money to the church, but was afraid to speak out how much this place or, or what God meant to them. I'm always surprised to watch people whose family life is, is shaped around Scripture, around Jesus Christ, around the church, and how they, they shuffle their kids up to third floor to, to journeyland, and how they pray before meals and read bedtime stories out of the children's Bible, and yet have the hardest time articulating how important God is 
in their lives to those around them. And I'm always astonished by people who are, have these profoundly rich spiritual lives deep into their heart, that they're all about God, that they're in their devotionals all day long, and yet they have a difficulty speaking out to say, I love the Lord in everything that I do and am. See, Christians, we have to be resolved to openly, openly live the faithful Christian life. I, I would say this. If we ask the questions, are you ready? And do you have what you need? You know the answer is, we already do have everything we need to answer yes to both questions because it's already been given to us. And we simply need to deploy that in our lives, in our words. Let's pray. Lord, our God, we thank you for opportunity to be in ministry. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us uh, yourself in such a way that we can anticipate from the, from the depths of our heart your sure and certain coming. And we thank you, Lord, that, that, that we can prepare and, and, and be ready and take responsibility uh, for our own spiritual growth because you've provided us a doorway. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us the opportunity to live the faithful life. Uh, let us resolve to do that in all we can. In Jesus' name, amen.